Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen. This episode is the first in a series recapping NAB Show 2023 in Las Vegas, starting with a conversation with David Grindle, the executive director of SIMPTI, the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers, who took the helm of the organization last July. Hi, I'm David Grindle. I am SIMPTI's executive director. I joined the society in July of 2022. And uh, now we're uh, starting to really look at what SIMPTI is going to look like in 2040 and begin to build our way forward to that. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you've chosen to highlight here at NAB Show? Sure. NAB Show has been a, a great opportunity for us at SIMPTI. We opened with our annual Future of Cinema conference, which was great. We focused on some new imaging systems that are coming out and things that are really starting to advance. And of course, last year we, we did a session on the new MSG Sphere that opens in Las Vegas later this year. So we had some follow-up this year to see what they've learned in the middle of construction and building. Another great thing that we announced this at NAB was the expansion of our rapid industry solutions. Uh, the Open Services Alliance has become part of SEMPTI and is part of our RIS program now. Uh, so in addition to onset virtual production working groups, we'll be supporting the work of open services, looking at microservice solutions for the industry. Right. That was going to be my next question. Do you want to talk a little more about that collaboration with Ross Video? Sure. So Ross Video has given over the intellectual property on a piece they call Katina, which helps to register all these microservices. They gave that over to Open Services Alliance. So it now is a public property that we will make as an open source uh, tool available to the industry. And that's one of those moments they could have kept it proprietary, but they realized that it has value enough that the whole industry should have it. And by making it part of OSA and SEMPTI, it gives the whole industry an opportunity to really build on a solid infrastructure as the building needs to happen. So it's really exciting, you know, for a company to invest as much as Ross did in building it and then to give it over to the industry and let us be the the home so that everybody has an opportunity was a, a wonderful gift. Have you had a chance to talk to a lot of SIMTI members? Tell me about what's challenging the industry right now. We've had an constant flow of SEMPTI members into our booth here at NAB, which is always exciting. We had, as we sit here in one of the large entryways here in the convention center, the first morning it was filled with yellow shirts from Ryerson University students. Uh, so we had the, the beginning of the industry all the way up to, of course, our lifetime members. You know, what people are talking about right now is the continued impact of uh, virtual production and how that is starting to make its way into other spaces. It's not just going into a, a volume in a studio anymore, uh, but it's now being incorporated across live broadcast even more deeply, and it's even moving into live entertainment. And so there's a lot of, of that. There's a lot of discussion about how machine learning is going to impact things. We're looking from, from the most simple to some of the more complex ways and hearing a lot about that. And of course, the continued discussion of cloud. 
you know, camera to cloud is a big thing right now. But we also looked at, at the Devoncroft presentation, pointed out that half of the things being loaded into the cloud aren't being worked on in the cloud. They're being downloaded, worked on, and a new copy loaded back up. And that, that's, I don't think that's really what people had thought would happen in a cloud-based environment. And so is that efficient? Is that effective? Is that, you know, and of, of course, effective for one person is horribly inefficient for another. So, you know, I love nothing more than to get a good debate on where everybody's right. Have you spent much time out on the floor? Is there anything you've seen that you find just really innovating or exciting? You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I came with the hope of spending time on the floor, and I have spent more time meeting with people and, and meeting, which is exciting for me, a simpty and, and still being you know somewhat the new guy, but not quite. I've been told I can't use that much longer. For me, running simpty it's about getting to know our members. And it's exciting to me because at some place like NAB, I can have conversations with our members from all over the world. Having conversations, met a young man from Montreal who his company, he says to me, we're now, we feel like we're solid enough that we should be Simpty members. You know, and then it was exciting because I got to share what was going on in Montreal with our section there and the wonderful work they're doing. Some new folks from Toronto um, and really sharing with them what their section has to offer. So I, I wish I could tell you I, I have all this excitement for the new stuff, but the excitement I have is for the people. I'm sure you're still in the planning stages for the Media and Technology Summit this fall, but do you want to talk a little bit about, about what you anticipate for that event? Oh, I'm happy to leak some secrets on Media Technology Summit for 2023. You know, the biggest trend in any kind of gathering is for us to make sure that people are getting hands-on and we want people having discussion about new technologies. So we are creating some spaces. We have our traditional session rooms, of course, but then we're creating some more informal spaces where you can come and rather than have an exhibit hall, we've rebranded it a solutions hub. Bring your solution so that you bring a problem and a solution together and it's discussed and debated and talked about because that's the joy of Simpty is the network and conversation of people trying to solve mutual problems. So that's really our big focus going into 2023. Is there anything that you want to add? You know, I want to add thank you. Thank you to all of our members, but especially our members across Canada. Our members in Canada are an amazing group of people that really produce a huge amount of content that... I don't think the world appreciates how much they need the Canadian media industry. And you guys are really fabulous. So thank you for the coverage you provide for everything we're doing. But thank you to them for what they're giving to the rest of the world. Thanks so much for making time for us, David. Thank you, Connie. Happy to do it anytime. Take care. If you made it to the North Hall, Simpty happened to be co-located with the Museum of Broadcast Technology in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We caught up with its president, Paul Beck, to talk about preserving broadcasting's analog heritage and the museum's move into providing props to the industry. 
Hi, I'm Paul Beck. We're here at the NAB for our sixth year demonstrating old technology. And what you can see on the screen here are Norelco PC70 studio cameras. These came from a Hollywood station. These are 1965 vintage cameras. They are, as you can see on the side, three Plumicon tubes on the side. That's how these cameras work for color imaging. There's a prism that takes the light from the lens, splits it into three red, blue, and green tubes up the camera cable to our control unit over here and the rack of equipment you see there is uh, all restored uh, from 1965. Uh, it is a standard broadcast camera package uh, that probably cost about $60,000 when it was new. So tell me more about the Museum of Broadcast Technology, how long you've been around and what you do. Our museum is dedicated to three very important things. The preservation of old technology, the restoration of the old technology, and then the education for people, teachers and students about the technology. In these images you see some of our shop back at the Woonsocket facility where we're restoring cameras. We have some wonderful people who come up from, this gentleman comes up from West Virginia. We have other folks who come from Texas, and they'll come and spend seven or eight days with us restoring cameras. As you can see, all the modules and different parts of cameras, they all need different components repaired, and it takes a long time. These cameras that we've been talking about, it's been over two and a half years of dedicated time and not a lot of money, but a lot of time to get them repaired and restored. We've sort of backed into another issue, and that is the providing of cameras for props. And the problem is if you acquire 8, 10, 12 cameras of a certain type, and you fix two or three or four of them, and they're working really well, what do you do with the other eight or nine that are clunkers? They're never going to be used. They really have no value for parts. Well, we were besieged by local movie companies and production companies who wanted props to use for a either a music video they were doing or some other project. And these pictures you see here were shot in 2016 and 2017, and it was a series on Netflix called The Get Down. And it was done with a number of modifications where we'd put a fake black and white viewfinder in the camera. Uh, they put a very high quality camera shooting out the empty hole where the lens used to be. Uh, but basically, this was faking it. This is fudging it. They're doing a real TV show using real-looking TV cameras, but they're not really doing it for real. This was the first time we really got involved in something like this, and that led us to do other things. We were approached by HBO, who was doing a series on Julia, Julia Child, and we ended up providing cameras from 1952 to simulate exactly how the Julia Child program was done in 1962. And this was an extensive modification where we had to create control room equipment as well as the cameras that looked exactly like the 1952 stuff and works. And the images you see on the screens were coming from a digital source, but it made the cameras look really, really real. In this panel of pictures over here, this was for the motion picture Joker. And again, more of the Norelco PC-70 cameras that were uh, cannibalized. I hate to use that word, but they, they had no function because they had been destroyed or they were just, they were empty. There was no way we were going to use them. 
but these were modified, put in with very expensive digital cameras to shoot the movie with. Viewfinders were installed, digital recorders were installed, as you can see. And this was shot, uh, this, this stuff was used for the movie shooting uh, The Joker, where uh, Robert De Niro is the movie host or the TV host, like a Johnny Carson, and the Joker comes out and attacks him or does something with the camera. And they wanted to have the real-looking appearance of, of cameras that would be used in a TV show. And this stuff is still being used, and we'll be making it available to other movie companies. In the meantime, we're always on the lookout for old equipment, probably 1950s and 60s equipment, to do restoration, preservation, and education. Do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of saving this technology? Because we know there's a lot of engineers who have garages full of obsolete tech from all the stations they've worked at. One of the things um, we are especially proud of is being able to educate people. And we had a teacher here come on Saturday as we were setting up, and he had never seen a camera of this type where there's a whole bunch of knobs and dials and things to control the red and blue and green. He's used to, and his teachers are, and his students are used to, just pressing a button on a white card and the camera works. He spent over an hour here with us going through all of this stuff, and his eyes were the size of coffee cups. He was just amazed. He did not, he's never had that experience before. So I think from an education point of view, sharing what we know, learning from the past, and taking and preserving old equipment really is an important thing. But more, more to the point, what gives us the satisfaction is we're paying tribute and homage to all the men and women who built these things, be they Dutch, be they German, be they Japanese or Brits or France. There's an awful lot of technology was made worldwide by very talented men and women. Many of them have gone to God and, and they're hopefully up there looking down at us saying, oh, I'm glad you fixed that camera. That, that was my Norelco or that was my Ikigami camera. So we're in touch with the past looking forward to the future. So can Canadians come up and visit you? Where, where do they find you? Oh, Canadians are very good at, at uh, I've actually taken a lot of this equipment to Canada. We did some films in Canada. One was Isn't She Great? which had Nathan Lane and, and Bette Midler and that was done in Toronto and we provided one of these cameras just for that. Uh, it didn't have to work the way these do. Uh, it was just a dummy prop but we've done other films. Uh, a film that's kind of a racy film is um, Confessions of a Dangerous Dangerous Mind, and that was done up there. I provided all that equipment for that. I think for, for Canada, they have a tradition of marvelous television, especially in Toronto at CBC's facility there. It was a great time to be up there in Toronto for those film shoots, and I'm sure there'll be more. Do you have a physical museum where people can come visit? We do. We have a great museum in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We're right just in the northern part of uh, Rhode Island, near Providence, not too far from Boston. And we are open only by appointment for the time being because COVID has messed things up a bit. And with all this restoration, it's sort of spilled over into the the museum display area so it's kind of a hodgepodge where things are being fixed repaired and the display area so it's we're not ready yet for a, a horde of tours beck told me that the previous week martin scorsese had called to tap the museum for some equipment for an upcoming project and quote you don't say no to scorsese 
You can learn more about the Museum of Broadcast Technology at wmbt.org. On upcoming recaps from NAB Show, we'll dive into the proliferation of virtual production tech on the show floor, AI, and more. For Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, I'm Connie Thiessen. listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.